Thank you very much, Melanie, my namesake. <laughs> All right. Um, can I share screen, please? Go ahead. So good morning, sisters and brothers. Good morning. I feel I feel very honored for this privilege that I have to share God's word with you. A task do not take lightly. But a task that I enjoy, despite the enormity of the responsibility, our, take, our theme for this series, Encountering Jesus in Our Everyday Life. And the more I think about it, is the more inspired I am. Yeah. Of course, let not that scare you that you're going to get a long sermon today. Because it's a series. So I'm only going to do my part in looking at the Jesus that we are encountering as an evangelist or maybe the evangelist and disciple. I've been led to look at a scripture in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. And I think this first verse is verse 17, which I will read. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now this observation is not in my notes but it is so important and the spirit of God continue to impress it on in my spirit that I would like to share. And it is that from the scripture we see Jesus moving from person person 
from place to place. He was not like Jews of his day who had a temple. And if you want to worship, you have to go to the temple. And later on, when they didn't have a temple, whether they were in captivity or the temple was destroyed, they had synagogues. And he himself went, according to the text, attended the synagogues. But that was not a part of his plan. He moved from place to place. And it tells me that we are a part of a movement. One of my friends said, in fact, he was preaching someplace. Um, <laughs> to which they never invited him again when he because he made the statement. Said, sisters and brothers, when a movement ceases to be a movement, comes a monument. A monument that you polish and try to preserve. But he says that we are called to be a part of a movement. And so it is with us today. If we are going to, if we are encountering Jesus, we'll have to move with him. Because, as he says in another place, I need to move on because there are other cities that I need to reach. And we are told that chose the region of Galilee, called in the Bible Galilee of the Gentiles, which was made up of, at one time, Josephus says, 204 cities on the the, 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 the the banks I don't know if we have banks of a lake or or, or, or what it's called a sea it was along the coast line and so he was moving from city to city from place to place from person to person and I think it makes a difference when we catch this vision of a movement so that like Philip, you remember Philip was the, the deacon, evangelist deacon. He was preaching in a city, having a successful what we call campaign or mission. When the Spirit of God instructed him to leave. Now, humanly speaking, that was not the best to do. To, to break up a, 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 a mission that is successful. But then God had other plans for Philip. He didn't know where to go, but he obeyed the Spirit. And then remember, he saw the Ethiopian eunuch returning from his visit to Jerusalem. And the end of the story is that he led the eunuch to pray to receive Christ as Savior. The eunuch himself requested baptism so that he went back to Ethiopia, a government official, a believer in Jesus Christ. And so we should not lose sight of this, that we are a part of a movement. I have for us today an unusually long introduction. Because of the the, the the importance of our overall theme, encountering Jesus in 
our everyday life. And the first thing that came to me, I didn't have the scriptures open before me or anything. I think I could have been in bed. Was that encountering Jesus is a great privilege. It's a great privilege because Jesus is introduced to us in Matthew 1, 21 as the only Savior of the world. Remember the angel said you shall call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He is the only Savior, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So meet the greatest of all time is the greatest privilege. And of course, maybe because today is Super Bowl Sunday, I am using a sports um motif here. Greatest of all time, the GOAT, G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time is Jesus, the Savior of the world. So to encounter him is a privilege. The wise men encountered him in worship in chapter 2 of Matthew. And here we see him as deity in diapers, as somebody says. But at the same time, he's the king of kings. So because of who he is, not just a baby in a manger, but God who had become a baby, they worshipped him. So when we encounter him in our everyday life, Remember, he's not only Jesus the Savior, but he's Jesus God. And therefore we worship him. But this is a meet with the one who's commissioned with the highest approval. Remember at his baptism, as he made that dedication of his life to God for the purpose of replacing the Levitical sacrificial system, which was only temporary and preparatory. Jesus said, sacrifice offerings, I know you don't desire as you know that it is not adequate. So, you prepared for me a body to be offered. And so I'm here dedicating my life to do your will. And the father's response was, today I'm installing you as king in Zion. I am now installing you. I'm commissioning you to go do what you have promised and dedicated your life to do. And then he says, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. So what a great privilege it is. You know, in military, there are some persons who are officers, they're not commissioned. They're called non-commissioned officers. But this here, Jesus, the one we encounter in our everyday life, is commissioned. He is authorized and sent by God to fulfill the will of his Father. But then he sent with the most impeccable credentials. Because at the baptism, two things happened. 
Heaven was opened in response to his prayer. The Holy Spirit came and rested on him. Number two, the voice from heaven was heard. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And with that, He moved forward and first of all overcame the temptation of the devil. He defeated the devil using what I refer to as the weapons of a champion, word and spirit. Because all three times he defeated the devil by saying it is written. I am going to align myself with what God says and not what you say, no matter what you offer me and how you say it. And then we are told that he was led by the Spirit to be tempted in the wilderness. And to show that he is, his power and energy not depleted but <clears throat> with the temptation we are told that he returned in the power of the Spirit. He went into the synagogue in the power of the Spirit. So, word and spirit, the weapons of a champion. And so, it's a great privilege to have an encounter with the only Savior of the with God who became a man. With the one who is commissioned to perform a task that nobody else could do. And one who has the most impeccable credentials, word and spirit. Well then, encountering Jesus, you will discover that in him there is no lack of confidence. If you listen to his speech alone, you'll find that, as we say in Jamaica, he wasn't speaking with water in his mouth. His speech was very clear and definite. He knew the will of his father was, and he did it. And so we read that all spoke of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. He exuded tremendous confidence in his Father and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So what a privilege, what a privilege to encounter someone with such great confidence. But of course, we can't miss the fact that encountering Jesus, you'll be impressed with his competence, which is unquestionable. What he wanted, he was commissioned to do, he accomplished it. And that alone demonstrates his competence. So much so that we, we, have, we, 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 we read in the text, that everywhere he went, he preached the gospel, he taught the people, and he healed all manner of sicknesses. He even cast out demons. He opened the eyes of the blind, he cleansed the lepers, and Tehran raised the dead. So that when, remember John, with his uncertainty, to ask, are you the, the one who should we are expecting to come? And he could say, go tell John what you see. See the lame walking, see the leper cleansed, see the blind eyes open, the poor have the gospel preached to them and the dead are raised. Competence. Competence indeed. So, to encounter Jesus in everyday life, is a great privilege. But to encounter Jesus in our 
yours and mine day life is possible because as has been emphasized already in our service he is God with us you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins you shall call his name Emmanuel which interpreted is God with us and since he has interest at heart and that's the reason he became a man. We should always expect him to show up, bringing the presence of God with him. As he's showing up right now in our midst. But he's also going to show up if we're in the kitchen, or we're on the road, we are on the job, or wherever we are. God with us. Which means that God is present where. And God can do everything. I've learned some time ago that I am not God. So I cannot accept one assignment at a time. But it's amazing. That God can be with you in Kingston, Jamaica, with you in Kenya, with you in Lauderhill, with you in New York, however you are, because He is the infinite God man. He is God who became a man, and He will always be a man. God with us. No, the, the psalmist says, in his presence, fullness, and I like that word, fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And as John says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. So encountering Jesus is possible as God is with us. Encountering Jesus in our everyday living is practical. Not only a privilege, not only possible, but it's practical because it is an interpersonal transaction. In our text, taking the initiative, Jesus comes, that's practical, to the brothers. They didn't come to him. He sees them. They didn't. He speaks to them. They didn't. All this is happening while the brothers, and in one case, a father, are engaged in the family business. So, whatever you are doing Jesus you can encounter Jesus this is as real as Jesus is real and the brothers were real so encountering Jesus can happen for us in our day to day run of the meal activities what this means that this is not fantasy nor fiction, or a pipe dream. This is as practical as anything else in life is practical. And so we should expect, we should look forward to encounter Jesus and make use of privilege and make use of his presence his competence and his commitment. Now let's look at what happens when we encounter Jesus. From our text, when we encounter Jesus, we are confronted with the demand of the good news of the kingdom of heaven. 
And the demand is, or rather the command is, repent. Kingdom of heaven is near. The heart of the message of Jesus is the dawning of the kingdom of heaven. The breaking in of the kingdom of heaven. The, 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 the inauguration of the kingdom of heaven on earth. The kingdom of heaven is the rule of God and is both a present reality and a future hope because the kingdom of God is both here and hereafter. What we have here is the faint beginning, as great as it is. Eventually, when the kingdom of God is consummated, the Bible says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. The Bible says the kings of the earth will weep before him. And the Bible tells us that not only will humans be affected and brought into the kingdom of God, but non-human. The Bible says creation itself is groaning. Manifestation of the sons of God. So this is just the beginning. And what we have here is coming events casting their shadows. The kingdom of God is the rule of God established in our hearts as we believe, as trust him. And because of the presence of the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God says Paul in Romans 14, 17 is righteousness, peace, and joy, then we will have to renounce the sins in our lives that do not align with the kingdom of heaven. We will have to renounce those sins if we are going to be as citizens of the kingdom of God. But in the so-called Lord's Prayer, we learn that the kingdom of God is the will of God done on earth as it is done in heaven. No wonder one of the popular things today is let your kingdom come, let your will be done in heaven as it is in heaven, as it is on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come right here in our hearts. God's comes when we obey the will of God, thus satisfying God's desires. So when we, en we encounter Jesus in our everyday life, we are going to be confronted with the command because this is not a suggestion. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom is present in the person of Jesus. When it says that the kingdom of heaven is near, it is because Jesus is present. The good news is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And as she has defeated the devil, disease, and death, as demonstrated by his ministry and the very text that we have chosen. He is the great deliverer. If you listen to his words, as he presented himself for duty to his hometown folk in the synagogue in Nazareth, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring, to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me 
to set the captives free, to open the eyes of the and to heal the broken preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So because Jesus was present, the kingdom of God was present. And because Jesus is present, the kingdom of God is here on earth. The kingdom of God is established in our hearts. The Paul writing to says that we are not only delivered from the power of darkness, but we are translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. So we are kingdom people, citizens of the kingdom. We benefit from this message of good news by repenting of our sins and believing the good news. As Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe the gospel because the kingdom of heaven yeah, or is here or is breaking in upon us. Notice it's a command. A command to repent. Note that the imperative, the command, precedes the indicative, the statement, the fact. The statement is that the kingdom of God is near. Therefore, repent, because if we're going to be aligned with the kingdom of God, we have to be rid, we have to rid ourselves of anything that is opposite. Repentance is not merely a change of mind, nor sorrow and remorse. No, it is not merely. It is that and more. And the more is that it is a radical turning from what displeases God to living to please him. And there's a verse in 1 Thessalonians 1.9 which I think illustrates this. Paul says that what has gone abroad about you Thessalonians is that you have turned to God. You see the turning? You have turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So repentance is not just shedding tears, being sorry, or even just changing your mind. It is acting on what you know repentance means says someone get yourself a new orientation for the way you want to live then act on it repentance requires action that's why john said to the to those leaders who came to be baptized he says produce fruits in keeping with repentance if we repent, yeah, we're going to be sorry, but sorry alone won't cut it. We have got to do something to show that we're sorry, to show that we are changing our mind orientation, that we are going to make the paradigm shift and to live a new life, a different life that is pleasing to God. When we encounter Jesus in everyday life, we therefore have to face the command and promise follow Christ, as our text says, in a personal and costly way. The four brothers obeyed instantly in total abandonment. And I'm sure you're asking, What's going on here? How can Jesus just up on the scene and say to two men, follow me, and they just start following him? 
And the other two, they were in the boat. They not only had nets, but they were in the boat and their father was with them. And they just abandoned the boat and abandoned their father and started following Jesus. What um, the text doesn't tell us, but of course, scripture interprets scripture. Um, we need to look at the first time they encountered Jesus. The first time, the first two encountered Jesus at the invitation or direction of John the Baptist, where he said, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they stopped following Jesus, John the Baptist, and start following Jesus. And in discussion with Jesus, Jesus says, well, if you want to know who I am, come and see. John 1, 39 to 40. And so they spent a whole day with him, listening to him, seeing him ministering. And apparently he sent them home and said, go think about it. So what they observed prepared them for the ultimate call to become his disciples. So when he said to them, come follow me, their minds were made. They were convinced that this man is the Makkah, that he is genuine, he's authentic. He is the one of whom the prophets wrote about. And so they followed him instantly. Just like to emphasize that the hallmark Christianity true discipleship. In, in the eyes of God Jesus, it is only when we are willing to submit us in total surrender him to be taught by him and to serve him we are true Christians of uh, uh, uh. a disciple is a learner and a follower of someone in authority. Jesus says it in Matthew 28. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That authority go and make disciples of all nations. But of course, only disciples can make disciples. Because he invested three half years with them, making them disciples, he could then send them out to make disciples. Follow him and become a disciple who wins us for him, like Andrew. Andrew, when he was introduced to, to, to the Lord Jesus, convinced that his Messiah, the first thing he did was to invite his brother Peter, who became a follower. And look at Peter. Yes, with all of his Look at Peter in Acts chapter 2, the Pentecost, preaching the gospel, clear cut. Jesus of Nazareth, a man proved of God by the miracles, wonders, and signs God did by him. Him you crucified, but God raised him from the dead. As a result, about 3,000 souls were converted and brought into God. Read Peter, First Peter, Second Peter. So when we follow him, we become disciples. And when we become disciples, we will win others to follow him. Let me just say this, 
because some might be scared at this point. But you're, 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 I, I'm suggesting that you're called to do something that you're not prepared for. We are not all called to become full-time ministers, but we are all called to give priority of place to Christ and the establishment of kingdom on earth. Which this means is that Christ and his relationship in our lives and the kingdom of God should be top of our list, our agenda items, as we go through life. What does it mean to follow Christ without stipulation or reserve? It means obedience to his command. And so far we have two commands. Repent, which is essential for fellowship with Christ. That's what it says in First John. If we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us of all our sins. And then when we do that, we fellowship with him and with one another. But then there is a, a, the, the, the call to follow him as well. Not just the call to repent, call to follow him. And follow him means that you're submitting yourself to him. And a picture that is painted of submission in the Bible is when he says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. And you know the whole idea. Is that there's a task, but the task is not cannot be done by one animal. So both animals are yoked together. And you they both work together to pull the plow. And so Christ has invited us to be yoked with him and to work together with him. But in, in implicit in the word submission, the idea of serving under, of um, the word sub means under, of place under. So it means that we recognize the authority of the Jesus and we offer ourselves to be under players, under shepherd, working along with him. But also involves trusting him, not just casually agreeing with who Jesus is. But as the Amplified Bible says, seeing the truth fact. Agreeing who Jesus is, but going on to commit our lives to him. But then following Christ means persevering. Because this is a lifetime commitment. There's like the story that we tell children um, about the pig and the chicken that went to town. And um, there's the sign that says, um, the restaurant says we serve um eggs and bacon for breakfast and the chicken said oh you see it says eggs so I'm more important than you the pig and the pig says that's what you think 
for you, it's a contribution, but for me, it's a sacrifice. Because they laid the egg and laid another egg, another egg. But to get ham, it's a sacrifice. It is laying down his You can't get bacon and ham from a living pig. And so we are called upon to lay down our life. It's a lifetime commitment. This is similar to the Hebrew servant in Exodus 21, who, although he was free to leave his father's, his master's employment or house or whatever, after six years, but if he was given a wife and children while being a slave, while being a servant, then he have a choice to go free and leave them or say what the one said in 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 in, in Exodus twenty one. I love my master, I love my wife, I love my children. I will go free. And if he say that, the rule says that you're going to have to serve, not for another six years, but for the rest of your life. This is a lifetime. This is total commitment. Now, apparently, Peter and Andrew James and John understood it that way. And they left the family business. In one case, father and boat and net and everything to follow Jesus. How is our commitment quotient? Is it just a casual thing? Or is it a deep, total Commitment. Obedience opens the door, but perseverance paves the path to follow. And following is proof of true discipleship. Remember the analogy Jesus said, I can't put your hand to the plow and look back. If you do that, I'm not going to be pleased with that. Because you're not going to do a good job if you'll be looking back. You must join the movement and go forward in total commitment. So, by way of application, responding to an encounter with Jesus I must repent by getting a new orientation the way I want to live and act on it. I must give the kingdom of God first place above everything else in my life. I must totally commit my life follow Christ, submitting his authority in everything and when I do these I'll be ready to share the good news to others and to disciple those who accept Christ as Savior and Lord encountering Jesus in everyday life and so as we close I know we've been praying for others because of different needs that they have. Maybe it's time to pray for ourselves as we consider the importance of the kingdom of God. As we consider the place that the kingdom of God had in the life of the Lord Jesus. And if we are going to be his followers, then we should 
align ourselves with the kingdom of God and what it needs. And look at our lives to see if there are errors that we need to repent. And give the kingdom of God. Can we really say like the looks of the song let your kingdom come here my heart okay. are we willing to make this total commitment to follow Christ And we don't need to be afraid because we're not committing ourselves to somebody who we can't trust. Somebody who will abandon us when we get in trouble. No. He is full of compassion. He is competent. Competent. He has all the credentials that he needs, word and spirit, which he also shares with us. And then when we do this, we'll be like him. A disciple, a, a, an evangelist, leading people to Christ and discipling them to be able to do the same thing. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the possibility. Thank you for the privilege. And thank you, Lord, that this is not something esoteric, metaphysical, and out of our reach. It is really down to earth. We see Jesus Moving from city to city, synagogue to synagogue, person to person, as he continues to do even today. And as we encounter him, Lord, we continue to worship like the wise men, but we want God to be like Andrew and Peter, James and John. We want follow you and to follow you to the end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen.